Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, expanded SNAP benefits from COVID ended. SeaTac Airport got a bunch of federal money to make improvements that will speed up security lines. And Seattle summers might get hotter as the city loses its tree canopy. Hey, but at least we've got some cool music festivals to celebrate the summer season. We're breaking down the week with arts writer Jazz Kymig and the tickets Chase Burns. But first, let's get you caught up. Two local artists pleaded guilty for selling art misrepresented as native produced. Investigators from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service made undercover purchases from Louis Anthony Rath and Jerry Chris Van Dyke in 2019 after receiving complaints from the Indian Arts and Crafts Board. An investigation revealed the two had sold more than $1,000 worth of goods under the false identity. The two who sold at Pike Place Market will be sentenced in May. They face up to a year in prison for violence violating the Indian Arts and Crafts Act. Nordstrom says it's winding down stores in Canada after releasing their fourth quarter results. On Thursday, the department store said declining sales and profitability were a top concern. Around 2,000 people will lose their jobs. CEO Eric Nordstrom says the closure of all 13 Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack stores is aimed at a simpler structure, growth, and overall value for shareholders. And say it with me now, it is Girl Scout cookie season. If you haven't already ordered from your office pal's kiddo, in-person booths start up today. Keep your eyes peeled and get your hands on some Samoas or Tagalongs. The kids at Mary's Place are selling cookies, too. You can help out homeless troops trying to reach their cookie sale goal. We'll drop a link in the show notes. Hello, Friday. Not a moment too soon, if you ask me. This week, Seattle Public Schools warned employees the budget deficit could force it to make layoffs. Washington had its first carbon cap-and-trade auction, and lots of newspapers, including the Seattle Times, dropped the comic strip Dilbert after its creator went on a racist rant. Jazz Kaimig is here. They're a local arts writer. Hey, Jazz. Really glad you're here. So happy to be here. Chase Burns is here too. He's an editor at The Ticket. Chase, always fun when you're around. Hello, hello, hello. Happy ECCC weekend. What's that? (laughs) Emerald City Comic Con. (laughs) (laughs) How to say you're old without saying you're old. Emerald City Comic Con. That's great. Well, lots of COVID programs, unfortunately, have been rolling back. And on Tuesday, expanded benefits under SNAP, the Federal Food Assistance Program, ended. The assistance increased during the pandemic, and it was significant. And the new change lowers that payment for some people by more than $250 a month, U2. Department of Agriculture says the average monthly SNAP payment per person is about $169 now. Chase, I think this actually might be a good time for people who can to check in on their neighbors. Yeah, it's just a reminder that so many aspects of the pandemic we're still dealing with, you know, assistances are coming and going. I grew up with a single mom and we had to use a lot of benefits like this. And I have a lot of friends who use benefits like this that you wouldn't expect. So the checking in on the neighborhood, the neighbor part is important because there's not like one sort of portrait of a person who uses benefits, a whole range of people use benefits like these. And you know, 
there's so much hidden poverty in this city, right? There are so many people who are trying to make it work, hiding their scenarios, trying to make it look like they're okay. So even just asking someone at this point, hey man, how have you been doing? And what I found really striking was one food bank was talking about how, you know, donations are down or inventory is down 80%, right? And so I think, you know, inflation is really hitting everyone really hard. I know my grocery bill has really gone up. But I think Chase is, is right, is just checking in with your neighbors and, and making sure everyone has what they need is, is we're going to support us through this. Well, and if there's one thing we learned during the pandemic, right, is how important we are to each other, how helpful mm-hmm. we can be to each other. And these COVID assistance programs gave us a window into what a stronger social safety net could look like. And it didn't solve a lot of problems, but so many people actually felt like they could make it. They could get to where they needed to be each month. So it's a big hole to fill. Have either of you cut your budget? Jazz, you said you have, and I know meat is mostly off the table in this house recently. No, I, I was actually recently talking with my roommate about that, where I went to go buy salmon and oh. my my grocery, I know, silly me, um, and my grocery bill was ridiculous. Um, so I've definitely um, been using like tofu or kind of relying more on like really protein things like beans and, and veggies and trying to really eat out less. But yeah, it's 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 hitting everyone really hard. I am. This is, <laughs> I get HelloFresh boxes because um, mm-hmm. I'm a terrible cook. And so, you know, just little baby steps. And my boyfriend's also a bad cook. So we're like, you know what, let's just do HelloFresh. And they cut the eggs out of the HelloFresh boxes. <gasps> and I was like, what is going on? So like, they, <laughs> and the, the ingredients are getting smaller and smaller. Like we got like the smallest little set of green beans. And I was like, this can't feed two people. What is going on? Yep. Yep, for sure, for sure. And you're paying a premium for that service anyway, you know. This actually made me think of the experiment they ran down at Tacoma with the universal basic income for a year. They had some really promising results in that program. You know, sadly, they had to end it. But one of the things they did when they did need to end it was prep the people who were in that program for the eventual end of it. I think, you know, uh, these kind of programs work because they put money directly in the hands of people. And of course, food banks need those support too. But um, I mean, like you said, like it was less than $200, you know, that made this much difference, right? Like the difference between being able to pay your rent and feed your child. So if there's a way that we could figure out how to just give everyone $300 every month, you know, for basic, basic needs, I think we'll be a lot better off. Well, all these services are critical. Also critical, the airport and how terrible it's gotten in in those security lines. My goodness, the feds are stepping in with some money to help tamp down those long security lines at SeaTac Airport. They're getting $16 million from the bipartisan infrastructure law to make changes to hopefully speed things up. Chase, do you stress about airport security? How many hours in advance do you get there? Well, I stress a lot about airports because I have an <laughs> extreme fear of flying, though I do it all the time, except not as recently in the last couple of years. Um, I actually, I don't think I can't remember the last time I was on an airplane um, since the pandemic started. I, I think I've gone somewhere, but I, I don't really stress about airport security because I'm not really going anywhere lately. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, my my mom works for the airport. Um, she works in the airport. So I feel like I've gotten 
really kind of desensitized to airport stress in a way that um, other other people haven't. But yeah, I, I haven't really flown anywhere this year, but I know that the holidays was a, a mess. I had a friend that was stranded in Las Vegas for almost a week, you know, yeah. uh, which sounds like the plot of like a romantic comedy maybe, uh, but it's really a horror story. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I don't feel like I relax at the airport until I'm sitting in my seat. Have either of you flown out of pain field? I always think about this as an option in Everett. You know, not yet, but I imagine that once they, you know, really get the light rail going up there, or even just to Linwood, I, that's something that I would really consider at least for regional flights, you know, um, and it looks really cush. Um, it totally which, looks more chill. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might have to find another airport because Puget Sound Aviation forecasted that SeaTac is supposed to reach capacity by 2050. The prediction has also brought about the proposed creation of a second major airport in the state. They were looking at three sites, uh, a couple of spots south of Tacoma, one near Olympia, but the public backlash was huge, so they were driven back to the drawing board because apparently nobody wants an airport in their backyard. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe light speed rail, you know, <laughs> in the next, you know, 25 years. Maybe it'll really, you know, amp up to where we don't need it, but... The future think- is maglev. I'm telling you, <laughs> magnetic levitation, high-speed trains. Let's do it, man. Monorail. I think you were on the last show I mentioned that on. That yes. Was like three years ago. And I'm still, I'm for it still. Let's I, sign me up. You know, I used to, I used to live in like a rural part of Idaho, and I just remember how awful it was getting to the airport when you're so far away. And so, like, there's an equity issue in having access to the airport. I can't imagine people who live on the other side of the mountain who have to f- come over here. I mean, they're probably used to it, but come over here just to get to the airport and then go home. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously having a Tacoma or Olympia doesn't help someone um, who's on the other side of the mountains. But it is, it, it, it's hard for people who are not close to SeaTac. Um, so I, it's, it's important to explore. Definitely. One day, we'll figure out where to put another airport. But in the meantime, Seattle is losing its tree canopy, which is bad news for a lot of reasons. The Seattle Office of Sustainability and Environment came out with a report this week. We all learned how critical the tree canopy was during the 2021 heat dome. And I think that that's important to note because, like, I think a lot of times when we talk about the tree canopy, a lot of the discussions around development, and obviously that's a part of losing the tree mm-hmm. canopy. But the other part is climate change. Like, a lot of these trees we're losing for a variety of reasons, like you just said, um, and that's happening all around the city. And what's also interesting is, like, the the tree canopy displacement isn't equitable. Like, some neighborhoods, like sort of the Fremont Ballard area, are sort of growing in their tree canopy. Um, I used to live in Fremont, and that was like similarly one of my favorite parts about living in the neighborhood. Now I live in central Seattle and there's just it's just denser and there's fewer trees, but also the trees that are here aren't they don't seem to be super well taken care of either. Um so you know we need a it's a complicated, complicated issue. <laughs> Jazz, what's your favorite kind of tree? <laughs> that is um I will really show my butt here and I cannot think <laughs> of a tree right now. <laughs> I, you know, okay, you know, Weeping Willows, you know, OG, like, beautiful tree. <laughs> you know what I will say? Um, I will plug the Seattle Tree Walks app, Jazz, ooh. because you can download oh, yes. it. 
and it yes. takes you through the whole there's I for most of the city there's walks so you can like download yeah. a walk in your neighborhood and it'll tell you exactly what the tree is so you yeah. can you know decide your favorite neighborhood tree yeah, yeah, wait, now you're you're saying that and like synapses are like firing in my brain and I'm remembering trees and I love the trees with the cherry blossoms. <laughs> oh my gosh, the cherry trees are amazing. Yes, cherry, yes, cherry trees as they are called. Um, I really like birch trees. Um, I like that you can like peel, I mean, you shouldn't peel them, but if you can no. use the sort of the, the peelings for different things. I remember I had like an ecology teacher that was like, you can use it as paper if you ever lost. And I was like, I don't, that seems dire, but I like, I like birch trees. <laughs> I like birch trees too. They bend in the wind, which I really appreciate. The Department of Transportation has a database of common trees that you can look up for your neighborhood. So you can put in all of the parameters of your environment and it'll tell you which tree will work best. Of course, that database is going to be updated at some point because climate change tells us we're not going to be planting the same kind of trees around here at some point. Chase, the prediction is that ultimately climate change will alter our hardiness zone. Turns out we're going to be closer to Florida's hardiness Ah! zone. (laughs) Yeah, Chase, you're from Florida. What's it going to feel like to have palm trees in your yard? <laughs> you know what? There are palm trees around here. Like you'll w- walk around you're and right. you'll see it. Yeah. And I'm like, why? That actually shocked me when I first moved up here. I was like, why is there a palm tree in Fremont? There's like one street that has like six of them. And I was like, what's going on? There's always somebody who's doing the yeah. thing. <laughs> but you know what? I, you know, palm trees are beautiful, but I think we should work together to fight climate change so we don't have a bunch of palm trees in Seattle. Right. And who doesn't love trees? This seems to be something we can all get behind. And while we work on planting trees this summer, we can listen to the sweet sounds of Seattle's summer music festival lineup. We are no Coachella, but really, do we want to be? Of course not. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) So let's celebrate Capitol Hill Block Party, day in, day out, the return of Bumbershoot. Chase, you are constantly looking for events for people in Seattle to check out. So what is on your list this year? I am really excited about the Capitol Hill Block Party lineup. There there was that thing where every time Capitol Hill Block Party comes around, there's always like a group of people in their like mid-30s and above who always are like, this is when I knew I was old because <laughs> I didn't know a single person on the lineup. But I think the Capitol Hill Block Party lineup is fun. Um, I like Denzel Curry. I'm a big fan of Coco and Claire Claire. My Gen Z coworkers told me that they're really into Binky. Um, I, I just started <laughs> listening to Binky, and I also like Binky. Um, someone named Mama on there. So, you know what? Fun names. Fun names all around. Yeah. Yeah. Jazz, any local acts stand out for you from the lineups we've seen announced so far? Yeah. Taylor Elizabeth is a really great um, Seattle musician. I'm really excited to see her perform. Sea Lemon is also a really great um, local indie act. Um, I do like Capitol Hill block parties, the way that they kind of balance both international and national acts and local acts. And I think Chase would agree. Like, I think sometimes the local acts have the best performances sometimes because they're, you know, they're not really used to as big of stages like Capitol Hill block party. So I think they really get a chance to shine. 
And there's something unique about Capital Block Party that both of us, you know, we've written about it together before um, for The Stranger. And so we've gotten in for free, which is important because I think I've, <laughs> I will say I've never, I haven't paid myself for one of these tickets. So that's something important <laughs> to consider when I talk about, oh, I love Block Party. Um, but one of the things that I really like about Block Party is that it takes over the Pike Pine neighborhood really well. And something that I don't think that people do enough when they go is hang out in the venues that are, the neighborhood venues that are already there. Like there's a new uh, arcade in that block called Time Warp, and it's going to be right in the Capitol Hill Block Party uh, vicinity, so I assume they'll be open, and there's also like Quinn's Pub, like one of my favorite things is just going inside of those venues and hanging out while there's like a festival on the street. I know there are people who don't really enjoy being in large crowds, especially at big events, so do either of you have some suggestions for listeners who don't get down with the festival crowd about smaller, cool venues you might want to visit? Yeah, um, I always really like um, Tractor Tavern and Sunset Tavern and Valor. They always have a really great creation of like local acts and also like like touring acts as well. Um, and it's, it's a bit further, you know, North for at least me, but, um, it's, it's really low key and there's a lot of space. Um, and Sunset actually went through like renovations recently. So it's, it's super nice in there. Um, and I always like the crocodile too, again, like very spacious venue, um, tons of different stages, um, really great bar, um, good, good creation of acts. Those are, those are kind of my two go-tos. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah. going to highlight The Crocodile as well, especially because of its new renovation. I don't think it got sung enough praises when they renovated it. There was a lot of people sad about the old Crocodile um, mm-hmm. moving, and rightfully so. But the new complex they created is amazing. There's three venues inside of there. Um, if you don't like the sort of bigger Crocodile venue, beneath it there's Madame Lou's, which is a little more intimate. And there's like a really nice sidebar that often hosts like comedy shows called The Hereafter. And there's a hotel tell up top. So I just feel like it's it's a really great venue that we can be proud of. Yeah. Cool. Great suggestions. Great suggestions. So for me, the best lineup of the year might be the zoo lineup. Uh, mm. Summer Zoo Tunes is back this year and it is packed with legends. Patty Smith, Jason Isabel, the Flaming Lips. What a show, man. What a good show. I've never been to Zoo Tunes, but I have to like give, you know, bravo, brava to whoever the booker is for for that lineup. It's really incredible. But I imagine with the flaming lips, it's going to get, you know, people are going to be on their feet for that. I I can't imagine them. (laughs) One of the most fun bands ever to see flaming lips. Also, there's some funny collaborations like there's Father John Misty and Shabazz Palaces playing together. And I was like, (laughs) I would have never paired these bands together. And yet I'm like, I'm intrigued. I would I would go to to this combo show. Well, in any case, you can get tickets to these events we've mentioned. They're all out there. Zoo Tune specifically goes on sale the general public at 10 a.m. today. So don't miss out. Don't dig out your sunglasses and crop tops from storage just yet. Before we get to festival season this summer, we're going to have to get through the last moments of the big dark. One last thing (laughs) before we go. Seattle, your depression is showing. Surveys about our city keep coming out, and we are the saddest metro in the country. You too. (laughs) FYI guy looked at the results from the U.S. Census Bureau's ongoing household pulse survey report. Turns out Seattle had the highest number of respondents that said they had feelings of depression or hopelessness in the past two weeks. How are you both doing? Because according to that survey, at least one of us is going through it right now. (laughs) 
Mm, you yeah. know, I I think we should get over the hang up of being sad. I think it's a part of, you know, the the fabric of human existence, you know. Mm. And this is absolutely the time. If there's going to be a time to be sad, it's now, you know, whether it's we're in the big dark I, I think we're going to cycle out of it. I think we should lean into it. You know, we should check in on our friends. We should like, you know, cozy up and watch stuff that like makes us feel good with the knowledge that at least like seasonally better, brighter times are coming. So I'm feeling hopeful. I'm moving out of sad. I'm I'm moving into brighter days feeling a lot of hope about it <laughs> i think that people agree with you though jazz i think that's why seattle's on top like C- seattle yeah. it, i would say probably most listeners are like yeah we should be okay with being sad i think more <laughs> than other cities seattle is like you know what yeah we're sad like i think people and it's a good thing sort of are more willing to admit that they're going through it in seattle because of the uh, sort of just the notions of the city and sort of grunge and rain, et cetera. It's our vibe, man. And I have to say that, you know, for me personally, <laughs> it just works. You know, yeah. I don't like to be happy all the time. I don't like the pressure of the sun. It's my vibe, man. That darkness sometimes <laughs> works for people. And I think we show it here a lot in the city. So but I, getting... I relate to your pressure, like the pressure of the sun comment, because yeah. I actually feel that a lot midsummer. Like, I'll be like, can't I just have a sad day? But you look outside yes. and you're like, it's gorgeous. Like I and it feels worse to feel sad during the summer. That's, That's it. True. That's yeah. it. I think you put this artificial feeling on sunlight like it's supposed to make you feel great. And in reality, it just doesn't work like that for everybody. Well, the Big Dark is finally almost over, you two, and we're going to be springing our clocks forward next weekend. So, Oh, no. Oh no. <laughs> Wait, that I don't like. That I don't like I, that either. I'm I don't understand that. it. Yeah, I don't understand it, and it makes my head hurt for like three weeks. It's so bad. But thank yep. you for the reminder. I need the this is the best morning light right now. I'm a yeah. really early riser, and this is my favorite time of year for life in the morning. It's just great. They're going to rip it all away from us. But for now, we will leave it there. Jazz Kaimig is a local arts writer. Chase Burns is an editor at The Ticket. Thanks for being here, you two. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's show was produced by Vaughn Jones and Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. The show is also produced by Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecil Moore, Brandy Fullwood, and Brooklyn Jamerson Flowers. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you Monday.